All right. We are continuing our hot topic series. And today we are talking about the foreigner or the sojourner or the immigrants uh, and a little bit of the immigration topic. Um, so as I was studying and processing through this topic, it, it helped me to see how relevant um, this topic is for me and uh, my story, my family's story and, and my immediate family. Um, and so I come from a family of immigrants and I've always known that, but I never really took the time to uh, talk about it with my family. And recently I did have some opportunities to talk to some of my family members and I learned so much uh, about um, our past and some of the immigration stories. And as I was listening to some of these stories, uh, I was shocked and sometimes I was uh, I had tears. Um, I just couldn't believe it. And, um, and so because of some of that experience, and, and I've known this before, but it was just so much more real as I was hearing these stories. Um, this is a very sensitive topic, and, and specifically to immigrants. Um, it's, uh, it's been my experience that immigrants don't really like to talk about this for, for different reasons, um, especially if you are in illegal status uh, as an immigrant. Um, you're constantly walking around in fear that you might get caught, you might be deported. Um, and this sort of thing can cause you to just feel so much shame. Um, and especially factor in maybe a person who has done this and is constantly in this status. Um, and they come from a background where their value system is honor and shame based. Is I can just see this load um, constantly on them. So um, because of the sensitivity of this, and, and same as um, the other topics that we've gone through and future topics, as this is just an emotionally charged one, again, I just want to remind us to take a really humble posture as we talk about it and, uh, and not just talk about immigrants as if they're not in the room. I mean, maybe it's likely you don't even know my immigration status. I mean, you might guess, but I, yeah, I could have an immigration status and, and a person saying something in such a way could be hurtful or harmful. Um, and, and that's not our goal. Um, so I would don't want us to just cause unintentional harm within the body of Christ. So, uh, as I said, I'd love for us to just take a humble posture and be careful as, as we uh, talk about this um, moving forward. And my hope for tonight would be that um, we would just go through scripture and see God's heart uh, throughout the Bible and that we might be able to accurately uh, communicate and display God's heart for the immigrant um, in our church and in our communities. So before we go any further, what I'd like to do is just define some terms that are very common um, on this topic. You're all probably familiar with these, but it's good just to kind of um, talk about them and give some sort of definition. Um, and th this is not an exhaustive list. This is just some of the most common. So I've already used the word a bunch of times, immigrant. So um, Webster's Merriam Online Dictionary defines this as a person who uh, comes to a country to take up permanent residence. Uh, another word is a foreigner, a person belonging to or owning allegiance to a foreign country 
or a sojourner uh, to stay as a temporary resident, a refugee, a person who flees to a foreign country um, or power um, to escape danger. Um, and, and under the um, umbrella of immigrant, we're going to have some subcategories. So you can have an illegal immigrant. So uh, illegal immigrant would be defined as uh, maybe a foreign person who's living in a country without having official permission to live there. Um, it's a similar uh, definition, just different words, is illegal alien. Alien just meaning something that's just foreign, not from here. Um, they, that would be the same as an illegal immigrant. Um, you can also have a permanent resident alien. So this is uh, someone who has been lawfully permitted to live um, in that nation, um, but doesn't have citizenship, um, often known as um, been, been given a green card or permanent uh, residency. Um, and then the uh, there's another one, um, the refugee, I think, is, is important to talk about. This is a person, again, I said this, but uh, who, who's uh, fleeing a foreign country or power to escape danger. We'll actually talk about this later. Um, and uh, undocumented immigrants. Um, so it's, it's really easy to talk uh, about immigration and forget that immigrants are, are people. Uh, it's all over the news these days. Just do a search uh, for immigration, immigration, immigrants, or, or illegal alien. I mean, just today, there's just so much news about it. Um, and, and I'd like for us to just be careful because I feel like using the term uh, illegal alien, illegal immigrants um, can be a bit harsh. And trust me, people who are uh, in a status of being illegal know that they're illegal. They don't really need to be reminded of it. Um, and so I, I would suggest perhaps using a different term to define the people in this type of uh, legal status of their immigration um, as undocumented, simply undocumented immigrants. It still um, acknowledges that their status is not lawful, um, but yet I think it's a little bit more um, loving and, and doesn't quite dehum um, dehumanize um, as people tend to do with some of these other terms. So instead of saying uh, uh, Sarah is an illegal alien, we could say Sarah is an undocumented immigrant. So that's something that I would just suggest to you um, as we move forward. Uh, uh, this book here has been a really helpful resource. I don't know if you can see it. It's Welcoming the Stranger by uh, Matthew uh, Sorens and Jenny Yang. So most of what I'm gonna say after this is from this book, really helpful resource. I encourage you to pick it up if you're interested in learning more about this topic. And this topic, man, is just so um, so vast and complicated. And even just looking at it from a biblical perspective is, is a daunting task. Um, and I feel like I need another 20 hours and, and two days of, of teaching. But what, I would, what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna kind of go through um, some uh, biblical characters that we see in scripture um, with the theme of, uh, of an immigrant or immigration. Uh, and then kind of in the middle, I'm going to go through a bunch of different verses. And there's probably 50 to, I don't know, 100 different verses that we could look up with this idea of uh, immigration. I'm not going to do that. Obviously, I'm only going to go through a handful. And then we're going to go back uh, to finishing off some of uh, the story um, that we see in scripture. Uh, so it first starts off with uh, Abram and 
and Sarah, um, or Abraham and Sarah. So God calls them in Genesis 12 to leave the land that they're in and to travel to a foreign land uh, of Canaan. And this is something that God promises to Abraham, that he's going to make him a great nation eventually, um, and that um, him going there, he's actually, in, his, his people, um, his descendants are eventually going to be a blessing to the entire world, which is where eventually God's redemptive plan is made known through Jesus, through this nation. Um, so as Abraham and Sarah are traveling, um, there ends up being a drought and so or a famine. They need to leave um, and go south to Egypt, and they spend some time there. Um, so as time went on, they, they went back um, after their time there to um, Israel, Canaan area-ish. They you traveled a lot. Um, and so Abraham and Sarah, you guys know most of these stories, uh, they um, had... Uh, one child in in particular who is um, Isaac, and Isaac being born, um, he ends up having many children, and that's one of the the children. There is Joseph, which is Isaac's favorite, and the brothers become uh, really jealous um, and end up um, selling him into um, slavery basically. Um, and Joseph finds himself in Egypt. Now, if we were to put uh, like a common term to that uh, modern day, that would be called human trafficking, right? Selling someone um, into slavery is considered human trafficking, human trafficking today. So eventually uh, Joseph's family um, finds, or, or eventually God uses Joseph, let me back up, um, and, and he rises to power under Pharaoh and uh, ends up um, given wisdom to know that there's a famine coming and helps uh, the nation of Egypt to uh, store lots of food and prepare for this uh, great famine. And Joseph's family, meanwhile, is, is over there and, uh, and is sent by the father to go to Egypt to get some food. And eventually that family is reconciled. Um, and um, Joseph says, what you had planned for, for evil, um, God had planned for good. And we see that um, this immigrant, even though through being sold into slavery, God still use it um, in his story. So what happens after that? Pharaoh hears about it and says, hey, this is great. Bring your dad, bring the whole family, um, bring them down to Egypt. And Pharaoh ended up giving him uh, tons of land and gave them work. Uh, and eventually um, that Pharaoh died and generations go and the nation of Israel just grew in numbers and grew in numbers, grew in numbers. Uh, so much so that this new Pharaoh generations later uh, was very concerned. Uh, we see in, in uh, I think we're now in Exodus chapter one. Um, and Pharaoh says, come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Least they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape the land. So this Pharaoh now is very concerned that, that the number of uh, Israelites are outnumber the Egyptians and that, that they might upset their, their way of life. Um, and so in that slavery, uh, we, we know that um, God uses a Moses and eventually frees uh, the nation of Israel out from oppression and slavery. Um, and very shortly after that is when God gives, excuse me, um, the Ten Commandments. 
Um, and within the Ten Commandments, we find in Exodus 20, um, specifically verse 10, I'll read it. <clears throat> and it says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. So even from that time, we see God is already caring for the sojourner and requiring them to take a Sabbath along with everyone else, including the livestock. Exodus, this is where I'm going to go through a bunch of verses here. So Exodus 22, 21, uh, you shall not wrong the sojourner or oppress him for your, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt, right? So God says, hey, don't wrong a sojourner. Don't oppress them. Why? Because you have personal experience in this matter. You know what it's like to be a, so, a sojourner, um, a foreigner living in a land, um, and, it, and you know the hardships that are associated with it, and you know what it's like um, being oppressed in, in that type of situation. So don't do it. That's what God is, is calling them to do. In Leviticus uh, 19, 9 and 10, um, he says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the fields right up to its edge, Neither shall you gather the gleaning after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for their sojourner. I am Yahweh, your God. So we see in Leviticus, uh, it's, it's throughout the Old Testament. Uh, I'm only giving you a handful of these. But we see that God really loves and cares for the poor and the sojourner. In Psalm 146.9, Yahweh watches over the sojourners and upholds the widows and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. Zechariah, the prophet, uh, in 7.9, he says, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your hearts. A couple verses later, it says that, that they turned away and, and they were covering their ears because they didn't want to listen uh, to God's words through uh, Zechariah. Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy, these two are, are probably going to be... Um, yeah, well, the two two of the most significant verses that I hope that you would uh, memorize, at least the reference, so that you could um, easily refer to it when, when talking about it or processing through this. So Leviticus 19, 33, 34, it says, when a, so when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. Verse 34, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh, your God. Deuteronomy 17, for Yahweh, your God, is God of gods and Lord of, Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial to take, um, is not partial, sorry, and takes no bribe. He execute justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Verse 19, love the sojourner, therefore, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. These are commandments to the nation of Israel. 
I could go on and on, but there's just simply too many verses. Um, and you can just um, go to blueletterbible.com and do a search um, for for some of these words, and, and you'll see them. Um, like I said, there's easily 40 to 100 different references, depending upon the word search that you use. Um, so um, the theme of the immigrant doesn't stop. It kind of continues, and, and I'm going to jump to the story of Ruth. If you haven't read it in a while, go back and read it. It's great. It's only a few chapters, and it's really interesting, and it really displays God's heart. Um, I'll try to summarize it here. So uh, we have Naomi and her husband. They leave Bethlehem and go to the town of Moab. And uh, in Moab, they, they have two kids, and Ruth marries one of the kids. Now, while they're there, Naomi's husband dies. Uh, Naomi's uh, two uh, sons die. And so it's just Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. And eventually one of the daughter-in-laws leave and it's just Naomi and Ruth. And they end up going together back to um, Bethlehem. Now it's there um, that, and remember, Ruth is, is not from the nation of Israel. She's from, uh, she's a Moabite, right? And so she married into the family, but then now there's no more husband, there's no more bloodline to uh, continue this. Um, so they go back to Bethlehem and end up, um, the story continues where Boaz, um, who is considered one of the redeemers, right, uh, for the family, marries Ruth. And now Ruth, being an immigrant, is now married into this family. Why is this significant? Why am I bringing this up? Eventually, the bloodline leads to King David. And from King David eventually leads to Jesus, who is our Savior. This, this idea of immigration um, is very much part of God's story. Remember when uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, they go to Bethlehem and uh, Jesus is born. Um, and then King Herod at the time, uh, he made a decree because he, he wanted to kill Jesus. Um, and so an angel of the Lord goes to Mary and Joseph and says, hey, flee, go to Egypt for a while until King uh, until Herod's dead, um, that would be considered a refugee, right? Where um, you're fleeing for fear of your own safety. So Jesus and his family has experience uh, as refugees. And even Jesus himself, um, this, this uh, term I, I got specifically from the book, I'm not sure if it's, um, I feel like I've heard it elsewhere, but anyway, uh, Jesus himself as a uh, divine immigrants. So um, in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, um, it says, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So here's Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus, he's in his heavenly realm, and he left that, uh, and, and in all of his glory, he left that, his, his, his place of home, and came on earth and, and stripped himself of all of that glory and took on the flesh. Um, and so in a type of way, he is like a divine immigrant. Now, uh, throughout the whole Bible, we see that God uses immigration for the purpose of working out his redemptive plan 
uh, to save the world. Um, and eventually, um, Jesus being born here on earth um, and, and being obedient to the Father to the point of death, where um, his death, burial, and resurrection um, was purposeful so that all nations, all people groups that know him might have an opportunity to have forgiveness of sins. Um, so this is just a, an incredible salvation story that God has implemented um, and, and is generous to all generations. He, his heart is for everyone to be saved. Uh, and it's really fascinating um, that uh, this, this idea of, of the immigration, it doesn't even just stop kind of in the Old Testament. It, it continues. We see in the New Testament, um, specifically, we see this in Acts, right? Um, that as Christians are persecuted, this ends up leaving, uh, leading to them fleeing, right? And as they flee with the gospel, um, the gospel ends up spreading to different nations. So this is still part of God's plan, even in these types of circumstances. Uh, I, I want to tell you a story that I learned um, about, about one of my grandmas. Um, so she... Um, and her husband wanted to do things legally. Um, they're from Mexico and they um, eventually got some paperwork and they were able to um, enter into the, the United States. So while here, somehow, I don't really know the full story, my, my grandma ended up working for a uh, pretty well-off Jewish family. Now it was through her working um, with this for this Jewish family, like, I don't know, housekeeping and maybe, I don't know, taking care of the kids, something like that, um, that they sponsored her um, and helped her get uh, her permanent resident status. And it's really, it, I don't, it just puts a big smile on my face because I'm thinking, so God shares in scripture that he has a heart for the sojourner and, and um, cares for the immigrants and they themselves are immigrants in the United States, but then my grandma travels from Mexico and is working for them. And then through that, they were able to sponsor her and help fill out the paperwork so that she can get um, permanent status. Now that permanent status eventually led through a series of events of my parents getting together. And eventually here I am right now teaching through, I mean, I'm referencing scripture about God's heart for the immigrant. I mean, I, I think this is just amazing. So, so yeah, I would say that that citizenship of a nation is, is of some value. Um, it is. But Paul reminds us that it's not more important than our heavenly citizenship. Uh, he tells us according to, to Philippians 3.20, he says, um, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies uh, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So our citizenship here on earth, everything here on earth is, is just like blah in comparison to this future hope that we have. Our citizenship here is just, okay, it's, it's helpful, but our heavenly citizenship has so much more value. Um, and, and don't forget our time here. We're just sojourners. We're reminded of this um, when Peter and, and the writer of Hebrews talks about this, um, that this is not our this is not our true home. We're only here temporary um, because God has, has a, a home 
for us, a future home where we'll spend all eternity um, with God. We saw that in John, uh, I think it's chapter 14, where, where he says, I'm going to the Father, or sorry, in the Father's house, there are many rooms, and, and I'm going to him. And if I'm going to him, uh, you can trust that I'm going to come back for you and take you to the he Heavenly Father. And so that's what we're looking forward to, this future hope that we have. Uh, and First Peter uh, 2, verse 9, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. You once had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He says, Beloved, I urge you, here it is, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your souls. So he, he refers to believers and encourages them to live as sojourners and exiles, because this is not our permanent place that we are living in. And Hebrews 11, um, uh, yeah, it says, uh, let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show. Oh, sorry. That, that was something else. I got a little bit confused here in my notes. But it's it's First Peter two chapter nine, and then there's another Hebrew reference. I'll probably have to add it later, maybe on the screen where it flashes like this or something like that. Um, but anyway, the point is is that as we walk as um, as sojourners and exiles, we can live um, in in selfless ways where um, our time here is just so short because we're looking forward to this future eternity, um, and because of that. We are free to be the most hospitable group of people on earth, um, and we can show hospitalities, uh, hospitality to strangers um, in, in such extravagant ways, um, and that's where I want to quote Hebrews 11, um, and it says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, uh, for uh, thereby some have entertained angels um, and were unaware of it. So just we see in the New Testament that God's heart is still to be hospitable, even to strangers, and even even by doing so, you may even entertain an angel through there through that process. Uh, and a, a, another couple points here, um, Jesus says that as we welcome the stranger, we are welcoming um, Jesus Himself. So this is from Matthew twenty-five. It says, "When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him." Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from uh, another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, and he will place the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed into my father, by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer to him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we um, see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these of my brothers, you did to me. So welcoming the stranger is, in fact, uh, extending uh, welcome to Jesus. So my last point here is, is going to be um, about Matthew 28, um, the Great Commission, where 
we see that we are called in Matthew 28 to um, go and make disciples of all nations. And an interesting thing happens when um, immigration takes place that people from all sorts of um, people groups and nations and tongues come to specifically the United States, that's a context that we're in. And if we care for them and we love them and we, in loving them, share the gospel with them and they uh, come to know Jesus, that is, in essence, also keeping the commandment of Matthew 28 uh, by making disciples of all nations. And, and don't forget, this is good news for the immigrant. Oftentimes, uh, an immigrant um, has been in a status of just shame and maybe fear. Um, and to share with them that they can be a part of a family, that there's a king who cares for the immigrant and the poor and the orphan, and the widow and the marginalized. And to say that, you know, becoming a follower of Jesus, you are now included as a people group where before you couldn't get citizenship to whatever country, there is no hindrance here uh, to have citizenship in, um, within the kingdom of God. And God freely offers that. That is good news. They can have permanent lawful belonging to the family of God.